podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Final score in Paisley, Celtic 2, St Mirren 0, and Celtic progressed to the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup, and a bit more like it. Uh, after some recent performances. This is Tino with the Final Whistle Show, joined here by James. James, your initial response to today's one? Good cup tie. Both teams going for it from the start. Um, maybe tailed off by the 60-minute mark in terms of energy. But, you know, cup ties like that are just all about going through. Um, I thought it was interesting that we've gone 4-4-2 at the start and then reverted to 43 laterally. Um, still tune over what I've learned from that. Maybe hard to judge with St. Mern being so motivated. It wasn't certainly wasn't flowing at any point, I, w- I would say. But, you know, we, we took our chances. I suppose we showed when we move and break fast, we get goals. And that's that's got to be the big learning from today. Yeah. One of the biggest positives for me was almost regardless what Brendan Rodgers changed it to, was the fact that he did change it. Yeah. He's seen what we are seeing. You know, it's not like he's you know, stubborn and digging his heels in and saying, no, no, no problem here, we'll just keep as we were. He's he's identified, and it, and it wouldn't be hard to do so, but he's identified that things aren't right. He's changed the shape and he's gone with that 4-4-2. So, yeah, what will be your take on that shape, I suppose, and the, the personnel involved from the start? Only a 4-4-1-1, I would say. Kyogo was lying pretty deep, which is you know, where his goal came from, which... I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd prefer an actual four four two. If you're going to go traditional, go traditional, because um, then you can properly judge it. But yeah, oh, overall, I thought we were organised. I thought the defence were very organised. Um, some of it was a bit last gasp. Um, I suppose the deformation it, it let St. Bernard come out as a fair bit in the first half, which we dealt with. But the shape's meant to help you with that as well. So what can we learn from that? You know. There wasn't the horseshoe was gone, which I was delighted. I didn't see it until like the twenty eighth minute or something. I was happy with that. But I saw Joe Hart being put under a lot of pressure in a lot of positions, um, with kind of poor back passes. Now that's partly to do with St. Mern's press, but it's also partly to do with the shape that we're taking up when we're coming out of defence, which seemed to be different to to try and break that horseshoe of doom. Um there's pros and cons all all through it, but I think I think like you, um the fact that he changed it to anything is a, is a real positive. I don't think we've got the players to go 3-5-2. I don't think we've got wingers that dig enough um, or attacking fullbacks that dig enough and can do both jobs. So we can add where we are in terms of personnel on that. So it's it's been a good experiment. It's always been a successful experiment. Let's see where it takes us next week. Yeah, the, the horseshoe of uncertainty, as I like to call it. We're still there at times today, but certainly not as much as we have seen. Um, I think you're right, you know, at different times, actually throughout the 90 minutes, St Mirren were able to, you know, come on to Celtic and and show what they've got offensively, but it does leave gaps and Celtic, as we showed with the goals, can exploit them. So there's there's some and some, isn't it? You know, you're sacrificing a wee bit in terms of your defensive, but it's opened things up moving forward. Um, What about the pitch? Just to to catch that, I mean, who are we to complain given the state of our pitch? Yeah. It had a pretty notable impact on how Celtic could play. You know, there was some bobbles. You seen early Joe Hartney like get caught with one. I think Tony Ralston got caught with one. Players losing their footing, and I'm not here to gripe about that because, as I say, <laughs> you know, uh, pot kettle and all that stuff. But it didn't make for good football. It did have an impact on what we were trying to do. 
I think that's one of the mitigating factors on judging that formation. That you know you couldn't really get flown. It was really two minutes in. Uh, skills put one through heart and your heart was in your mouth um, just with the bobble. And it, it happened all through the game. So how you're meant to judge your your flowing football with a new formation when you've got that to contend with, I really don't know. So like you say, you know, those in glass houses in terms of the state of our pitch, but it's what, early February, it's Scotland, it's a fairly low-lying pitch, it's going to be wet, it's going to cut up, so we just need to deal with that. Yeah, I just like to have a moan, James. There's, there's not as much to moan about in this one. I've been pretty negative and moaning in the last few shows, so I'm just trying to stay in that tone. Good to see uh, the comments coming in as usual, and a lot of really positive stuff. Uh, Jim Hunter, San Fran Celtic, Northampton, Tim, various other guys all you know seemingly pretty pleased with it. Let us know, guys, what you think in terms of performance overall, but maybe anyone that stood out for you, and we'll try and catch that and any questions later on in the show. Um, James, there's no doubt that St Mirren, I would say, started the better side than actually for the opening 10, 15 minutes, actually up to Celtic's goal. They they created a number of, chan- number of chances and they were clearly out to come at Celtic. They weren't going to lie deep or anything like that. They, they had a goal from the very off. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping that we'd have caught them by surprise a little because Stephen Robinson had been planning for a 4-3-3, but it didn't seem to affect them in any way. You know, they were just playing their own game, which you've got to respect, you know, and I do respect Stephen Robinson as a coach, so... No, it seems good to see because obviously we're the opposition there. But yeah, it was a game. They brought a game to us. I'd far rather see that than, you know, if that was Livingston, for example, even in a cup tie, we're probably looking at you know low block all the way to the 70, 75th minute before they start to, you know, even come at us. So it was good to see from the off. It makes it a cup tie. It was two teams going at it. And yeah, you know, someone had the chances early doors. Yeah, they did. Um, but it's Celtic that go one all up, and it, it starts with Callum McGregor, doesn't it? He picks the ball up pretty deep inside Celtic's half and plays a, a really sharp through ball to Louis Palma on the left. Louis Palma's been criticised, and, and rightly so at times, for the fact that you know, he'll come back in on his, his right foot and you know things of that nature. But he said this savvy just to clock Kugo making the run from the number 10 position. It's a decent ball into him. Still got a bit of work to do, and we do get a wee break as well with the deflection, but as a team goal, it's a really good strike, isn't it? Yeah, and it's the goal you want to see, you know, no, no pondering, just get it moving. Uh, cracking ball for McGregor, and Palmer's not messing about trying to be too fancy or anything, just saying, where's my options? And Kyogo's streaming forward, and he's making the option for him. Um, he's on the stretch, so it's as good as a connection as he, as he can get on it, so obviously the um, the deflection just, just deceives the goalie and, and nestles in the back of the net. But sometimes you make your own luck, you know. Yeah, you do. What do you think of Kyogo in general um, on two fronts? You know, one in terms of being that deeper liar. You're right, you know, 4 4 1 1. He's slightly uh, deeper than Adam Ida, who's your point man. And he was getting involved in a lot of stuff, you know, linking play up nicely and obviously opening the scoring. So I'll ask your take on that. And secondly, what's with the Nashers? What's, what's going on there? Is he? Is he taking a wee trip to Turkey during the holidays? Is it a, a real mouth guard? If that's his real teeth, then he, he wants to get his money back. Yeah, wild. Jeez, woman. Hell, they bleeded me. Um, but in terms of how he plays, I don't know. Uh, if you ask Kyogo playing goals, he would give it his absolute best. You know, that, that's the kind of attitude you get from him. Is it where he's best deployed? Like I say, you know, is he better next to Ida, Ida um, in, a, in a proper 4-4-2 rather than 
kind of picking up the gap that um, Bernardo's left and being a kind of auxiliary attacking midfielder. And I, I think that's a waste. I really do. Um, I'd rather kill goes somewhere between my 18 and my six yard box at, at all times. So I don't know. It, it was obviously successful, but no, nah, it's not for me. Yeah, Forrest finishing, who we know well and um, have good exchanges with on, on Twitter and the likes, he made the point that it's fine Kyogo dropping in to do that and he's capable and he obviously played his part today and he got his goal but it's just still not a great situation where you're putting the best striker in the league, the best finisher in the league as your number 10 because you don't have the, the good options elsewhere. So again, and we do you know revisit this a lot and today's not the time to dwell on it but our failings in the transfer window, failing to identify key positions is what's leading us to fudging things, you know, playing players out of position and you know, hoping it'll work out on the day. It did work out today, but ideally, Kyogo, you know, as I say, is the, is the main striker in the league, the best striker in the league. You want him up there hovering somewhere around the penalty spot most of the time. Absolutely, that's, that's what he's best at. Um, in terms of your transfer window, you're looking at zero summer signings and one winter signing starting that game today. So if that doesn't tell you it's a complete foot either, if that doesn't tell you it's a complete foot, I don't know what does. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I hadn't even... Clock dabs, too much to think about, James. Too much in my mind, but yeah, that's that's it's a it's a great point, but a terrible point, isn't it? Great point, but terrible situation. Um, and yeah, what does it come to? And as you say, between that and the fact that Quan and various others, you know, um, who's the Australian lad we've got, Marco Tellio, various others have already been shipped out. The summer window is shambolic, but as I say, we'll not dwell on it because you know we've got to look ahead. The squad is what it is between now and May. And they've done their job today and they've done it very professionally. Um, what about the rest of the, the first half? It's it's a competitive game of football. You know, I'm sure a decent game to watch from the neutrals point of view. I've seen San Fran Celtic calling Gogic Zlatan Gogic due to some of his uh, acrobatics and efforts. He's cracked the crossbar and he's had a decent effort with an, an overhead kick that Joe Hart's done really well to save. But, but we're under pressure at spells in the second half, no doubt. Uh, first half, no doubt. But Celtic defended well, and that's part of the game. So you've got to give credit, I think in particular, to Stephen Welsh and Tony Ralston for some of the great work they've done. Yeah, I thought the two of them were, were spot on. Um, two really good games. I thought Scales was decent, but his distribution was very poor, which I suppose is where most folk mark him out in terms of weakness. I thought Bernabe was mental. Um, just Bernabe doing Bernabe things. So, something really outstanding coming with. He looks like a footballer coming away with the ball. You know, you always say, you know, when your initial impressions, when you're either scouting a player or looking at a player for Celtic, is how does he take the ball, how does he pass the ball? Bernabe does both of those things very well. It's just sometimes the pass isn't necessarily to a Celtic player and neither of those things are really his job. His job is to defend. So we've been saying this for long enough with Bernabe. There's something there, but it's tough to try and shoot him. But back to your point, thought Ralston was excellent. He did. Brilliant ball in Farida. Um, it was really unlucky just to be a bit of composure, maybe putting the ball. But he's he's through because it's beat the last man, it's beat the last defender, and he's going, Well, I'm just going to swing a leg at it and see what breaks, kind of thing. And it's past the post, but some ball from Tony Ralston and Welsh full commitment, you know, clattered himself off the post at the towards the end of the first half, um, just to, to get a header out for a corner. So I've been wanting the two of them in my last two squads, first first eleven, and they've both been there. What they do, I suppose, is they raise the commitment level because you know, nobody's saying those guys are Europe class, Celtic class, whatever you, you want to say, but their commitment 
is 100% and total. And it's what's been missing from a lot of players a lot of this season. And when those guys are given their all, it means others can shirk it. So it raises that, that pulls you forward a wee bit more. Yeah, and I've spoken a few times recently about Celtic really crying out for the, the scruff of the neck guys, you know, the guys that maybe have slightly less ability than others, but they've got more characters, more desire, more drive. And I think Tony Ralston and Stephen Welsh really fit into that. Um, I think they do a good job for Celtic. I don't think they're top level. And I think if Celtic are looking to improve moving forward, they, they might need to invest in those areas. But for the here and now, in terms of doing their job and doing their job today, absolutely. Um, Stephen Welsh, uh, going for the Chris Julian approach in terms of clearing your lines, but clatter on the post, but brave to do so. He's obviously picked up a, a bit of a knock in the process. And Tony Ralston giving you everything that you've come to expect from Tony Ralston. First and foremost, his game is about being robust, putting in his tackles, being hard to get past. But also, he did show a bit of quality for that through ball to add a media that you mentioned. So, yeah, and that's, you know, because Celtic come under pressure at times, it's easy to stand back and say, oh, this isn't great, this isn't great. It's part of the game, and defending's part of the game as much as going forward as at times. You're against what I think are one of the better sides in the league on their home pitch on a cup tie, and that's to be expected. You're not going to get everything your own way. And I think, by and large, Celtic handled that pretty well. While we're in that part of the park, James, I want to focus just briefly on Joe Hart. He continues to get criticised from some in different areas. And I think, absolutely, moving forward, we need to look at the succession plan and who will step in from next season onwards. But he's been really big for us as a character and in terms of what he's been doing. You know, clean sheet there today, had some tough stuff to deal with. And I think he's a real leader. And I think he's stepped up over the last few weeks when it's been a wee bit uh, tough and a wee bit negative for Celtic. Yeah, I think he's felt the negativity, not personally. I don't, don't think it's the last few weeks have certainly been directed to Joe Hart, but they have been in months past. But he's felt the negativity just around the club, I suppose. And as an experienced guy and as one of our captains, I know he's, he's even vice-captain, but as one of our captain-type players, he's taken it upon himself to, to step up and lead from the front. Um, I, some fans just get it in their mind that he's not good enough and he's not the future, you know. <laughs> He'll tell you that himself, given the the candle in his birthday cake. But he's once once some fans have got that in their mind, they have to kind of see every game. Or you know, it's terrible this and the next thing. And it's not you have to just judge game by game sometimes. And certainly the last few games, three maybe four games, Hart has pulled off some outstanding saves. He's he's probably responsible for the four points that we took in the last two league games. Um given his, his efforts that could end up in draws or losses. So he's taken that, he's taken that form into today and he was everywhere today. He was coming out, we've been critical of him, maybe not commanding his box enough. And he was commanding his box all right, getting really strong punches and crosses, um, some really good saves, second ball saves. I thought he was outstanding. I can't, can't give him man of the match because that sends out all the wrong message, but he was very, very good. Yeah, I think so. Um, comment from San Francelic on your screen now, just saying that three academy players and that's McGregor, Ralston and Wells showing how to GAF, which I think yeah. means to, to care a lot about the game. And, he, and he's spot on with that. And on Callum McGregor, James, um, I think he's had a, a pretty good game today. He's, again, like like a few of his teammates, come under pressure for underperforming recent times. Brido made the really good point in the pre-match you know, with, with the three of us about the need or the requirement for Callum McGregor to drop that wee bit deeper and take it off skills and Welsh, almost just take it off their toes early 
and then be the guy that's dictating the play. And I thought we'd seen a lot more of that today. I thought he was getting it from them quicker. Dan Turn kind of stretches St. Martin, at least at that part of the park. And it allows him to pick off those passes to Palmer, um, to Maeda on the other side, and, and to really open things out. But I thought it was a really decent captain's performance from him. Yeah, I think, you know, they'd be in the tactics room, the whole squad. And, you know, Rodgers is saying, this is what's going to happen. McGregor's going to take the ball. And when he does, you've got to move for him. Because there's no point him taking that ball and then coming up against, you know, fully marked uh, attackers. So I thought the, the, the rest of the team helped him with that today. I thought there was more options when he was coming out. And what he was doing also was just cutting out the horseshoe with that as well. Taking the ball early from a Ralston or a Welsh maybe. And just cutting out the, the horseshoe. Um, because he can find that pass, McGregor. I thought he was very good for a lot of it. Um, I thought he was a bit sloppy in parts as well, but that can come with just taking on as much as he does. Um, I definitely would like to see Iwata back to just be pushing him a wee bit more, just giving him that competition. He's, he's the kind of the mystery man. We don't hear anything about his injury. It was a bad, bad injury, bad challenge um, that he took against Lazio. And it was just when he was really starting to give us some options there. I thought he was really tidy, really quite silky in the six. So if we can get him back fit, it pushes McGregor with options. He can push McGregor forward or he pushes McGregor to be better known that there's someone who could take his place if, if the opportunity came up. But today was not a day for uh, missing your captain and he certainly he covered that part of his role very well. He did. And it's important that Callum McGregor and, and every player um, know that there's somebody breathing down their neck. And that's where, I'm repeating myself, but Joe Hart and Greg Taylor have suffered if that's the right word, for the fact that there's no genuine competition. If they're fit, they play regardless. And I think Callum McGregor's in that bracket as well, and slightly different given that he's the captain, but every player needs pressure and every player needs competition uh, to bring their best. But no, I thought, it, I thought he led by example today and really just set the tone for Celtic. Um, getting into the second half, James, Celtic kick off, it goes to Burnaby, and this harks back to what you were saying. He drops his shoulder, He's found himself inverted very quickly, drops his shoulder, takes a guy on, breaks into the midfield, tries a flicky pass with outside his left foot and we give it away. And it was just the most Burnaby thing going. We're doing a, a kind of player's rating thing at this moment in time and just pulling together a wee graphic, which I'll share on socials after the, the recording here. I don't know whether to give him a, an 11 or a 4 because he just gives you all of this stuff. There's a good comment uh, I'll dig out here from Thomas. Thomas Dawson. He says Burnaby had his best game today. Didn't give the ball away. He did, but not too much. Do you think he could play on the wing for us instead of Maeda? I don't know, but I think what we can agree is that there is talent there. There's ability there. But I don't think he's a he's ever a left back. So is this the answer to our, our wing problem? Is to promote our left back? I know we have a problem, but I don't know. Um it'd be it'd be pretty damning on your wingers if Burnaby was the solution. And I'm not saying you don't try that, but we're going back about 18 months ago, um, before, you know, since we first said Burnaby should be playing in a more advanced role or tried in a more advanced role because he's not a left back and he's not. Even stupid stuff, you know, he was fouled for that one. He ended up getting in, you know, just jumping for the ball uh, against Marcus Fraser, I think it was strangely up there. Um, and, you know, yellow and a half, you know, an orange card for that one. Um, Look card that'll be, James. Eh, a blue. Moving mm, a blue card. I think even before moving forward, some refs will see that as a red. Um, obviously the refs should, should pick up the fact that in fact the line was standing right beside it. You should be just giving getting the flag up and saying that's a foul to Burnaby. But that doesn't excuse your reaction. You play the whistle and you don't put your team in, in jeopardy like that. So that's that's for me is 
you know, there's lacking instincts of a left back to do something like that in that position. You know, just go and challenge for the ball and see what he can get to. But I just don't think he's got much in the way of left back instincts. And that's not going to change. You're not going to teach him that at what now 23, 24. Um, so, nah, I think Taylor's back for Saturday coming. So that'll be very welcome anyway. And I'm not saying I'm disappointed to be Burnaby today because he, he gave us something. He, he certainly he, he doesn't lack attitude and he's got a good bit of dig about him. I just wonder how he channels it. Yeah. Uh, a couple of comments. Kieran says he gets you off your seat. He does, but not, not always in a good way. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Um, but he says, you know, it may not always be a positive, but at least it's something. He isn't that much worse than Taylor. Uh, never understood the hate. He does get criticism, but I don't think it's unwarranted. I think he's got work to do if he's to have any future at Celtic. And if truth be told, I don't think he does. But all he can do, you know, is chip away, try and put in decent performances where possible. And that's what he done today. John Coyle in the comments says... Bernabe should be playing somewhere else. Now, I don't know if he means left wing or in Italy. <laughs> so, I don't know what he means by that. But, yeah, I don't think anyone would debate that he should be playing somewhere else, whether it's positionally uh, or club-wise. Um, let's go back to the, the action, James, and Celtic make it 2-0 in the 53rd minute is Dyson Maeda. Again, Louis Palmer heavily involved. He clips a really smart ball across to the back post, again with his left foot. O'Reilly comes in, arriving late, uh, makes a good connection, hits a crossbar, a Maeda instinctively uh, just knocks it home he looked absolutely delighted with it James strange one um, you know look at the goal first of all it's a cracking ball from Palmer O'Reilly's taking it really well he's very unlucky not to score himself um, I'm hoping more on him later we'll, we'll discuss his performance but it's dropped perfectly guys <laughs> somebody said on Twitter it might have been uh, for his finishing he's tried to keep it down and skied it in the roof of the net uh, I don't know I think that's a bit harsh it's dropped him and he's got no time to react and he just lashes it and it's in. So, you know, that's a really big goal to be scoring. And I don't know, like, he certainly hasn't been playing well the last couple of games. Um, and he showed me about that today when he was finding himself in space and just skying the ball into the stand and stuff like that. So, I don't know, maybe he just feels out of sorts, you know, coming back from Japan. Maybe he's caught up with family there and he does a bit of that. I'm not really into that personally. You know, you've been Paid plenty, so switch it off. And there's no better, no one better at switching off and resetting and dies in. So we just need to see that from him. Um, but great goal. And yeah, always celebrate your goals. Their goals. Yeah, do you know, who knows? And maybe I've seen a comment, obviously we've come right on here to record. I've not seen any in the post-match, but I believe Callum McGregor was speaking and saying something along the lines of the fact that as a dressing room, they, they close off all the negativity. And, and they're right to do so. That, that's a job, that's a life of a pro footballer. You're going to get criticised at all times. You know, win, lose or draw, it's just part of the game and it's a passionate game and, and fans always want the best. And I wonder if some of that's got through to Dyson Maeda and that's why he responded in the way he has. There's no doubt, you know, there, there's something in that celebration or lack of. And I don't mind that, you know, if he's just, he just wants to focus on, on winning games and, you know, and getting on with things. But he didn't, you know, it wasn't even like he was engaging with his teammates. He, as much as Dai's made, I can. He looked pissed off. You know, you can never tell. He doesn't have barely cracks a smile either. So it's hard to know. But it looks like it looks like there's something to that. Um, but I don't mind it if it allows him to get focused and back on track uh and refine his best form because you know he scored the goal, which is great. But you're absolutely right. He's he shelled some out of the park in some really good positions. 
And again, St Mirren, the challenge is, can you break the lines? Can you get in that final third and, and get in dangerous areas? And Celtic have done that on a number of occasions, but they've been un- unable to capitalise because that final ball's just been so poor at times by... Maeda would be the, the the biggest culprit for that. So, listen, I hope it's nothing more than just a guy that wants to get focused on his football. Great goal puts his turn all up, but eh, maybe something to, to keep a wee eye on there. What about that? So that's 53 minutes in. We've spoken about Celtic's failure to kill teams off, um, but I won't be too critical on that because I think, despite the fact that we ultimately couldn't get a third, and St Martin have had some other chances, we've been in a decent position. We've worked hard to put ourselves in a good position in the game. Yeah, and they were pushing for the third all the way. I mean, there was a period maybe late 60s, maybe 60, if you want to be extreme, 65 to 80 minutes, where I thought we'd kind of switched off, to be honest with you. I thought we'd, you know, it was when the subs came on and stuff, and it just seemed we're going to coast this out. And that's never how cup ties should be played, because it's not often how they go if you're giving a team a, a chance to come back into it. And, it, you know, of that 15-minute period, it was about maybe seven or eight minutes where... We couldn't get out of our own half, and it wasn't like we were, we were under siege or anything, but the ball just wasn't sticking. Um, Hart was being forced into long balls, which I suppose is, you know, St Merlin playing high press, but then we're not exploit, exploiting that high press if we've got so many bodies up the park. So Hart's shelling the ball out of defence because there's not enough options for him in his defence to, to bring it out, and it's coming right back in on you. And for anyone that has been a kind of critic of Angie's and now uh, Roger's style of playing out from the back, that's why you do it. Because when you shell it, you've got a 50-50 at best of winning that, retaining it, and staying up the park. And given our stature, you know, we're not the biggest team, then it's probably less than 50-50, which we, we saw in that period. So that, that was quite a frustrating period for me. But after that, they, they started to get the, the ball on the deck, started getting some passes. I thought Yang, at that point, took a bit of responsibility, started moving with it, you know, early on, uh, when he came on, he'd, uh, he beat frustrating he's beat two guys but there was you know there should be buckets of options for him then there was an option in Kuhn that he didn't see which is poor yeah. but there wasn't enough movement elsewhere so yeah I, th- I think after that wee sticky period we got the ball in the deck and we started to build, uh, put some moves together and we were unlucky not to score maybe even three or four um, yeah yeah we certainly created chances um, you mentioned earlier in the piece Adam Ida's big chance from Tony Ralston's cross and, and one or two others Um yeah, let's talk about the subs. So Yang comes on alongside Paolo Bernardo in the 62nd minute. It's Louis Palmer that exits with Adamida. And yeah, I thought Yang in particular showed something. You you were potentially um, hoping for him to start. He got some good reviews from some of his work out in the Asian Cup with South Korea. And in one of his early uh, moments, he ran the ball out the park or he slipped down at the, the byline. But then he had a couple of very good runs. That one in particular you mentioned where he's He's runs two guys out in the touchline and, and he's you know breaking down on goal. He's definitely got something to offer. He's also got a good shot away that Marcus Fraser deflected, but David Dickinson sees that as a bike kick. Nothing to see here. Um, that's what you want, right? This is this is what all of the fringe players need to do. You need to come on and have that kind of impact. A wee bit better from Kuhn as well today, by the way. No, not quite as impactful as Yang, but a wee bit better. And you need to go and have that impact where you're going to go on, be direct get people up off their seats, create chances, drive on your team and, and you know, see them out, you know, get them over the finish line, whatever, whatever it needs. And, yeah, I think Yang can be pretty pleased with his, with his efforts there because at the moment, you couldn't hang your hat on any of Celtic's wingers. There's nobody that's absolutely said, you know, I'm your man. And why not, Yang, you know, or anyone else who decides to put their head up and say that, that they can be your guy? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I mean, Dyson certainly didn't cement his place today in terms of wing play. Uh, Palmer, despite setting up the two goals, didn't either, didn't see much else from him. Saw a bit of digging in the early part of the game where he was tracking back for the first time maybe ever. So that was good to see he's been been told. That's, you know, if you're playing for Celtic and you're a winger, that's your job. So it was good to see, but not enough that he, you know, he, he made himself undroppable. So, you know, if, if that being the case, Yang's put himself forward there to say, you know, maybe I should be starting against uh, Kilmarnock next week. Um, better, better, like you say, from Kuhn. Just a wee bit more positive, a bit, bit braver, you know, going with the ball. Both of them, I think, still lack a wee bit in terms of final ball, delivery or shot. You know, it's a wee bit panicky once they get into those positions. So just relax. You know, you're in that position by your own good work. Relax and, and take your shot, get your cross, whatever it may be. But yeah, it was, there was positives there. And the run against maybe a, a more tired defence than than Palm and Dyson were. But, you know, they, that's, they can't do much about that. So good to see. And it's competition is the main thing for me. It keeps the competition alive. Yeah, it does. Um, we'll not dwell on it today. We'll maybe catch this stuff in the, the weekly show on Monday, but Abada completely out of the picture there. I think it's the right call. He's not in a good frame of mind for playing for Celtic at this moment in time. He's out the squad and James Forrest, I think, wasn't even on the bench, was he, James? Yeah, um, yeah so, so he misses out. So Vata, yep. So there's things going on with Celtic swingers and it's up to somebody to, to really step up and, and try and cement well, the two places, I suppose, that you know, they're very much up for grabs at this moment in time. Um, as I say, we've made those changes around about 62 minutes. That was Yang and Bernardo coming in. Either coming off at that point obviously changes the shape again. So you you revert from your 4-4-1-1 back to the more traditional 4-3-3. I don't think it had any huge impact on how the game was playing. You know, the game in general, I think it lacked a bit of flow from both sides. You know, there was chances and things of that nature. And I, and I think the part played its part in that, but um, I didn't see a huge change in things, you know, overall when we went 4-3-3. But it moves Kyogo back up top. But eventually he's replaced on 75. O comes on for Kyogo. And Kuhn, as I mentioned, come on for Maeda. Um, a lot of folk are hopeful that O might turn into something for Celtic and, you know, that he he's a better alternative than, than Adam Ida. And I know he's just back, but he's still very raw, isn't he? He, he, he had a good chance that he blazed over the bar and and not much else, if truth be told, from his 15, 20-minute cameo. Yeah, I mean, it was deflected he shot over the bar, if you like him, uh, to be fair, but he, he shouldn't have waited for the deflection. He should still be scoring that for me. Um, but that, that, maybe even that's a wee bit harsh on him. Uh, but he, he does a much more... He's much more my preferred type of player. You saw a couple of times... He got in a position to be back to goal. I think he does got, you know, a bit of polishing to do as well, by the way. You know, some of his stuff's quite raw. But he's got that physicality and he uses it. I don't think O uses his physicality as much. Um, although either does look to be a good wee bit taller. Uh, O's about six foot. Um, but no, he, you're looking at Eden Kyogo as your first slash second choices depending on the game and all backing them up at the moment and maybe he can count himself unlucky with being away for the Asian Cup but also he's been here long enough that he should be coming straight back in then if, if he's been good enough so no a, a lot of development work still required for all for me um, I, I would be going with Ida well ahead of him I think so at this moment in time I suppose it's good to have options and, and that's what we've been crying out for we should have options all across the park and we don't um, but at least you know there's 
there's an Adam Eda at this moment in time, where is still finding his feet. Um, and, and more positive news, and I think Thomas uh, Dawson has mentioned it in the comments, Cameron Carter-Vickers back in the grass, maybe not too far away. Greg Taylor, as you mentioned, um, should be back in, in contention for Saturday against Kilmarnock. Rio Hitati might be a few weeks further down the line, but hopefully not too bad as well. And I think the key for Celtic is if we can keep ticking over. I know there's been some negativity in recent times, but it's eight wins out of nine, James. We're still winning games of football and we're still very much in the hunt to, to retain the title and, and the Scottish Cup. And if we can manage just to get these bodies back and you know maintain the, the results and improve on the performances, then you know it, it, it's more reasons for optimism than we were maybe feeling over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, if you look at any hard-fought, hard-won League One, League campaign, there's always going to be a sticky part where you just have to grind it out. And, you know, for, for those nine games, we've, we've done that. You know, we're in the next round of the Scottish Cup, we're top of the league, we've maintained our position. Um, if you look at the the injuries we've had, it's been constant from day one for Rodgers. So there, there's never been a point where he's been able to pick his full first 11, full strength first 11. So you're always managing that, negotiating that. So if you can get to a point, say, late February, early March, where you've maintained your position, you're still very much in the hunt, whether it's leveling points or you know top on points in, in the league, and then you've got these players coming back, CCV, Taylor, Hatate, all that kind of stuff, then that sets you up to push for the line. So, you know, the negativity, I do understand, and I'm, I'm not immune to it myself, but we might be just at a point where it starts to, the, the really tough part starts to dissipate and we can kick on. I think so, and I hope so. And today's part of that because sometimes you've just got to work through those kind of kind of grisly kind of times where things aren't great. You've got guys out, you're not playing well, fans are getting anxious. The the January transfer window and what should have been a, a very positive time for Celtic to improve on things actually became a really negative four weeks. You know, there was tension from absolutely us amongst many fans, and that that can through to the players. The very fact that Callum McGregor's addressing that in a post-match interview tells tells us that that negativity is around and the players are feeling it. But what I liked um, about the post-match, so you know, Celtic have fairly comfortably seen out the win. The whistle goes, 93rd minute or whatever it is, and Celtic are well worth their place in the next round. I believe the draws are round about now. Somebody's Kieran saying it's yeah. now on the BBC. We might catch that. We'll one for just a few more minutes. We might catch that before we, we log off. Um, but what I liked was when the players... As they always do, you know, they go to take their claim of the, the Celtic supporters. You'll have seen them, James, all lined up. And there was quite a, what I would call a steely determination about them. There was none of the the dancing stuff, you know, none of that, which, I, which I'm all for at times when it's merited. But I think at the moment, Celtic just need to keep plugging away, putting in professional performances. And I've seen someone describe today as that, and I totally agree. Professional performances, racking up your wins and just chalking them off. You know, we've, we've spoken recently about it's now 13 league games to go. Can you just chip away at that? We're now in the last eight of the Scottish Cup. You chip away at the next one, you're in, hand in for a semi-final. All these things. And I think, I'd like to think and hope there's a, a strong mentality in that dressing room because there's guys, Callum McGregor and Joe Hart leading the way, guys there that know what it takes. And this is where I feel Celtic have got a huge advantage in this race. Rangers are delirious at this moment in time you know they've all already got you know one head on the fact that they think they're going to lift this trophy and 
I think Celtic have got guys that know what it takes to get over the line and they don't. And I think that pressure becomes very real over the next few games. And sometimes you need to win games mentally as much as with your ability. And I hope that's what Celtic are going to start doing now. Yeah, I mean, maturity is the word. I think there's a real lack of maturity coming from every corner of, of Ibrox, from whether it's players, managers, supporters, commentators, referees, whatever. It's um, making these kind of comments January and February is crazy. I'd be raging if Celtic, anyone from Celtic, even Celtic fans, were coming out with stuff like that, you know, not just in hope, but actually saying, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to win the league. It's, you know, you're in a race, that's it. And we've been over this course many, many times, and um, what, 17 times last 22 years, something like that. So, um, yeah, we, we know what it takes, and we've got players in there who've been over the course. So that definitely is a massive advantage for Celtic because it keeps the heads cool, doesn't let anyone get carried away and it lets them know the hard, hard work that's that's still to be done between now and the end of May. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy if that keeps going on over at Ibrox. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think, as I say, you know, in terms of what Celtic are doing, I think they can chalk down today as a, as a very decent day's work. And, and I hope the players are feeling just that wee bit better about themselves, you know, post-match in the dressing room and, and when they leave uh, Paisley this evening. James, just your final thoughts. And we'll obviously get into everything in a lot more detail along with Muff on the weekly show tomorrow. But for now, your final thoughts on Celtic's win over St Martin. Well, objective is to still be in the hat on the final whistle, and we are. Um, like you say, professional performance, more in terms of stats. You know, that's 8-1-9 with one draw. Momentum's starting to build. Can't deny that. Momentum is one of the biggest things you can have going for you in football. So we just got to take that tough, tough game against Kilmarnock, albeit at home. Um, McInnes manager, I, I do rate. Um, and I think he'll be well organised, but you know we should be a bit more. We should, we should be a bit more settled at the back. Um, certainly with with Taylor coming in, just providing you a more traditional left back. And I know Taylor's Taylor and all that stuff, but it, it takes a bit of the the potluck stuff away from from Burnaby. So yeah, on to next week. Three points then, and we drive on for the title. Yeah, on to next week, and already looking forward to that Kamarnock game. It's the the first game back at Celtic Park in a few games, so that should be good. Bodies coming back, Greg Taylor and otherwise. But in terms of the players themselves, they will be feeling, just as I say, that wee bit better after tonight. We'll find out soon enough uh, who we get in the draw and uh, we'll share our thoughts on that on social media. But in the meantime, thanks to everyone, as always, who's joined us in the live. Thanks for your comments. And of course, thanks to everyone else listening, wherever you do. Uh, as I say, we'll be back tomorrow night with the weekly show. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the weekend if you can. And we'll see you again very soon. Podcast Network.